0: Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called Our Unpaid Debt. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, September the 10th, 2017. If anyone knows about credit and debt, that would be Warren Buffett. This week, I watched the HBO documentary, Becoming Warren Buffett. I definitely recommend it. By now, we all know the stories about Warren Buffett as a regular guy who eats breakfast at McDonald's every morning, takes his grandkids to Dairy Queen once a month, and who has lived in the same Omaha house for 58 years. Ditto about his stupendous wealth, $73 billion dollars. But what really animates this HBO documentary is how Buffett has worked at improving his relationships with the people he loves the most. According to his three children and his first wife Susie, for most of his life he was emotionally aloof. I was a lopsided person, Buffett admits. He was more comfortable with numbers than with people. Says his son Peter, My dad is a solitary guy. In the movie, Buffett calls money and finance the easy part. He says he's learned that quote, it's the human problems that are the tough ones. He then reflects on the paradox of love. And here I quote, I've learned that the more you give love away, the more it multiplies back to you. But the more you withhold it, the more it shrivels. According to the Jewish rabbinic tradition, there are 613 commandments in the Torah. Jesus, Paul, James, and John all say that when we love our neighbor, we fulfill the entire law. In Romans 13 for this week, Paul compares love to a debt that we can never fully repay. It's one of six texts that link our claim to love God with evidence that we love our neighbor. Paul writes in Romans 13 for this week, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. The entire Old Testament law, says Paul, may be summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Writing to the Galatians, he said, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. James chapter 2 verse 8 repeats this message. Almost verbatim. It says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. And then there's 1 John chapter 4. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his neighbor. Loving your neighbor, Jesus said, is the greatest commandment. In his last words to his disciples, Jesus called this a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. All people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so God's redemption of the world is mediated through the love of his people. It's not obvious in what sense Jesus' commandment is new. That's because it's an ancient commandment that goes back 3,000 years to the founding of the Hebrew community. Love your neighbor as yourself, according to Leviticus 19, verse 18. And then... Love, said Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, is the greatest gift. Without which, I'm just whistling in the dark. Just as this ancient commandment was repeated throughout the New Testament, it was repeated down through the centuries after the first believers. The African Tertullian writes, Our care for the derelict and our active love have become our distinctive sign. See, they say how they love one another and how ready they are to die for each other. And in the seventh century, said Maximus the Confessor, blessed is the one who can love all people equally, always thinking good of everyone. In his commentary on Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, The church father, Jerome, describes how the Apostle John, the evangelist, author of the Gospel and Book of Revelation, preached at Ephesus into his 90s. Christian tradition holds that he died in about the year 100. At that age, John was so feeble that he had to be carried into the church at Ephesus on a stretcher. Then, when he could no longer preach a normal sermon, he would lean up on one elbow The only thing he said was, Little children, love one another. People would then carry him back out of the church. This continued for weeks, says Jerome, and every week he repeated his one-sentence sermon, Little children, love one another. Weary of the repetition, the congregation finally asked, Master, why do you always say this? Because, replied John, it is the Lord's command, and if this only is done, it is enough. As the chaplain at Yale University, William Sloan Coffin pushed back against intellectual idolatry. He observed how students at Yale thought cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am, was what it was all about, and he says that Yale was encouraging them to think that. Coffin suggested a subversive counterproposal. He writes, I felt very deeply that it's amo ergo sum. I love, therefore I am. This phrase, amo ergo sum, which is actually the title of a 2002 book by the German Christina Kessler, can can be translated slightly differently to make the point even more radical. I am because I love. Or as the poet and farmer Wendell Berry put it, I only live to the extent that I love. In his wonderful book of poetry called Leavings from the year 2012, Wendell Berry points the way for us in a short poem prayer. writes, I know that I have life only insofar as I have love. I have no love except it come from thee. Help me, please, to carry this candle against the wind. For books this week, I review a title called The One Inside by Sam Shepard. New York, Knopf, 2017. This book is 172 pages. Near the end of these dreamy and staccato fragments of interiority, the unnamed narrator, who, like Sam Shepard, is a writer and actor who lives in the desert southwest, dismisses Freudian interpretations of his relationship with his father as so much claptrap. Don't believe him. If there are any themes that make these disparate bursts of reflection cohere, they are the classical forces of eros and thanatos, love and death, particularly suicide. The narrator and his father both had a relationship with an adolescent girl named Felicity, in a different and passive aggressive relationship with the blackmail girl, who's 50 years his junior, the narrator repeats his father's transgression. She threatens to publish their salacious recorded phone conversations as a way to jumpstart her literary career. In a recurring fl- reflection, the son sees his father as a shrunken miniature, quote, wrapped up wrapped up tight in see-through plastic. He's become very small in the course of things, maybe eight inches tall, end quote. He also has flashbacks to his boyhood and to his father carpet-bombing Germany in World War II. And so the son admits, quote, I see my father in everything. He just pops up on page after page surreal and grotesque hallucinations plague the old man. Readers who are familiar with Sam Shepard's life will interpret all this as more like autobiographical fiction than anything even close to a normal novel. Others have noted themes that are found in his staggering output of other works, over 50 plays for example, Once described as the greatest American playwright of his generation, Shepard, born in 1943, has also distinguished himself as an actor who's appeared in some 60 films, a screenwriter, memoirist, and director. In 1979, he won the Pulitzer Prize for his play Buried Child. This is the one who takes us inside his restless psyche. Once again, Sam Shepard, The One Inside, from 2017. For movies this week, I review a documentary called Robert Plant, from the year 2016. This one-hour documentary will enjoy a limited but very enthusiastic audience of baby boomers of a certain type namely those who came of age listening to Led Zeppelin and their legendary lead singer and lyricist Robert Plant. Plant was born in 1948. As with any recorded live concert, the quality of the music can't compete with carefully crafted studio pieces. Plant, who is now almost 70 years old and has had a remarkable 50-year career, Sings classics like Whole Lot of Love, and then newer songs from his ten solo albums and his band called The Sensational Space Shifters, which debuted in two thousand twelve back in the year two thousand eleven. Rolling Stone readers ranked Robert Plant the greatest lead singer of all time. I watched this film on the p b s website as part of their live music concert series called Austin City Limits, which in fact started way back in 1976. The title of the movie simply Robert Plant from the PBS website part of their Austin City Limits series. And finally poetry in keeping with the lectionary reading on the debt of love from Romans chapter 13, we've posted a poem by Teresa of Avila, who lived from 1515 to 1582. Born in Spain, Teresa entered a Carmelite convent when she was 18 years old, and later earned a reputation as a mystic, reformer, and writer who experienced divine visions. You'll be very familiar with these words Christ has no body. Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net. For Sunday, September the 10th, 2017, I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.